This is 88.9 KETR and KETR.org, public radio for Northeast Texas. We depend on our listeners to fund what we do, so please visit our site, KETR.org, click the donate button, and keep this programming coming. And today I'm proud to bring you my discussion with a singer and songwriter who divides his time between his home near Rockwall and Nashville, where he's been working as a songwriter for almost 20 years. He's written songs that have been recorded by Cody Johnson, Brian Martin, and others, and he's set to release his sophomore album early next year. My special guest today on Notably Texan is Scott Sean White. Well, it's a real pleasure to meet you, Scott. Welcome to Notably Texas. Thank you for having me. I know that you're uh, not necessarily a stranger to our area. You often perform in Greenville, and I, I think you live in the vicinity, right? I do. I live in Poetry, Texas, and uh, I play down at the Texan Theater in Greenville, you know, kind of kind of once a month at this point, at least once every couple of months, and I love that place. And uh, we've been living out in Poetry for about seven and a half years now. It's about 20, 25 minutes east of Rockwall, nor- just north of Terrell. Okay. Just south of Roy City. We're kind of right in between. It's one of those, you know, uh, city namesakes that I don't hear that often. So, I, I mean, there's so many of those. <laughs> it's cool to be a songwriter who lives in poetry, Texas. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> does, it does work out well. That's kind of a major it's, cool factor on its own. <laughs> it is, right? Well, if you will, uh, take me back to your roots, because I know that's not where you're from. So where did you grow up in Texas? I grew up in Kerrville, uh, for the most part, and uh, born in Waco, got to Kerrville right after <laughs> right after I was born, grew up there, and, uh, you know, dreamed about playing music uh, a little bit when I was growing up, but didn't really, like, sink my teeth into it and start to move that direction until we moved to Dallas when I was 16, and uh, I got real bored at the... <laughs> at the uh, regular Dallas public school, Brian Adams. And, uh, and so, uh, they told me, uh, hey, they have magnet schools. And, and so, um, I was like, what do you, what's a magnet school? Right. They're like, well, I got science magnet and a law magnet and magnet and an arts magnet. I said, like, what's an arts magnet? Sure. And, uh, so I ended up auditioning for that, uh, on piano, couldn't play a major scale. So when I got done, they were like, they need voices in the choir. Okay. I went down. I was terrified, terrified to sing, like legs shaking, terrified. But I made it, and I spent my year, my senior year uh, at Arts Magnet, uh, took piano all year, and um, that started me running down that road. I ended up playing keyboards in a cover band for almost 30 years. And Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, what kinds of uh, music did you listen to as a youngster that uh, maybe influenced your tastes even still today? <laughs> you know, that's that's a great question um, because when I was growing up, uh, my mom was, uh, I would say she was the primary musical influence as far as what she listened to. And so it was a lot of Kenny Rogers. Uh, it was a lot of uh, Lionel Richie, um, a lot of old honky-tonk music. And then when I got to be in, when I started music, really, it ended up being in the R&B area. Uh, and and I, I played, you know, the band I played in for 30 years was, was an R&B funk band with really? horns and all that. And I wrote hip-hop and R&B for about 20 years before I even started writing country music. Wow. Yeah, and all the stuff I've had in TV shows and movies and all that stuff was all hip-hop and R&B stuff. Interesting. So my musical tastes are all over the place. Um, I ended up writing what I write now and the stuff that's on my albums because, um, 
you know, the childhood I had was, was pretty crazy. And I couldn't tell those stories. When I got to the age where I started to want to tell some of those stories and, and you know, really dig into that in my music. Well, I couldn't do it in hip-hop and R&B because um, uh, I grew up out in the sticks and uh, <laughs> had what I call a, red, a quality redneck upbringing sometimes. <laughs> and so uh, I started delving into the country thing, and and so and here we are. That's crazy, man. I think a lot of people would be surprised to know about the the diversity in yeah. in your music influence through the years. You know, well, when I first started going to Nashville, I mean, and that was in two thousand five. I mean, for at least the first seven, eight, nine years, people here were like, you know, because they had known me all these years in the R and B scene here, and they'd be like, "You write country music." <laughs> they just look at me like I was an alien. And then people in Nashville who knew nothing about that. Because I didn't really let them know. I let them know I played in a band. But I was like, they're not going to think I could write a country song if I tell them I'm in this big funk band. And um, and so if I told them that in Nashville, they'd be like, what? Yeah. They'd look at me like I was an alien again, you know? And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I understand. We're talking with Scott Sean White here on 88.9 KETR, learning a bit about some of the uh, foundations of his mu- music career right now. Uh, so while you were uh, coming up and kind of uh, working in music studios and as a supporting musician, you'd already started writing a lot of your own songs. So uh, what was the kind of defining moments that made you decide to try your luck in Nashville? Um, part of it was just uh, life, like I said, wanting to tell those stories. And then there was, a, I, I don't know if I had some kind of early midlife crisis or something there in my my early to mid-30s, um, but a bunch of stuff happened and I was just questioning whether or not I should do music at all and then there was just a series of things I mean some people call them signs or whatever I don't know but I have no doubt that I was driving down the road in October of 2004 in my car and something happened and I remember just literally in my car I waved my hand up it, it you know like towards the sky and and I said all right Lord I'm I'll go I'll go and because I felt like he had been telling me you need to go to Nashville you need to go to Nashville and uh, he finally hollered in enough that I was like, okay. And so my first trip to Nashville was in January of 2005. And uh went up there and I heard these amazing songs by people who looked homeless <laughs> um, <laughs> and had, you know, six number ones or just people that didn't have any hits yet, but the songs were amazing. And I thought, okay, none of my songs are that good. And I got very intimidated and very inspired at the same time. And so I just, on the way back from that first trip, I was talking to my wife on the phone. I said, I think I need to start coming up here once a month. And she said, I think you do too. Wow. Because I heard those songs and I knew, I knew they were so far above what I even knew, especially lyrically, how to write. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to figure this out like right away. This isn't a switch. I'm going to flip. This is, this is going to take years for me to learn how to write songs that at that level and uh, so i just started the process <laughs> wow okay yeah. it sounds like it was kind of the, the push you needed then mm-hmm. to take yeah. it to a new level it was so you ended up with a publishing deal i think it was around 2007 so you're obviously doing uh, something right mm-hmm. and you're you're still splitting your time i think between texas and music city these days i am this is year 19 um from 2005 to 2014 I mean, to 2018, it was pretty much one week a month. I'd go up, uh, drive up on Sunday, drive home on Thursday or Friday for my gigs. And then in 2018, I started going two weeks a month. 
um, our daughters uh, were, were married off and out of the house, and so I started going every other week pretty much. And, yeah, it's uh, back and forth uh, a whole lot. And um, It's kind of like living two different lives, I would think, right? <laughs> to some extent. I mean, it is being a part of two different music communities, which I really uh, I enjoy that. Um, I mean, it's something I'm, I'm proud of to be a part of the Texas music scene and a part of the, of the Nashville scene. You know, there's not a lot of people that get to do both. They're completely different music scenes, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but the songwriters, um, the spirit of the songwriters in both, uh, are a lot alike. And for Texas people, that might sound like a shock. You know, because they listen to country radio and they're yeah. like, there's no way their spirits is No, I don't know what's going on on country radio. I don't know. It's not the writers in Nashville's fault, though. <laughs> you know, come up to Nashville, hang out with me for a week. We'll go to shows. You'll see the songs that are on the street there. And then you'll go, well, I don't know why those songs aren't making it to radio. Okay, but Nashville's not the problem. Right. That part of Nashville. The songwriters in Nashville are not, not the issue, so... Obviously, I would uh, think it must take an understanding wife uh, to work with you on doing this, being gone away Boy, from Texas so often. Right. Yeah. Um, which is crazy because, um, you know, I met her. Uh, I sold her a car in really? 1989. That's how I met her. Okay. And, uh, and then uh, I do have permission to say this next thing on the, on the microphone because I say it on the microphone all over the country. Uh, we got pregnant while we were dating. Which isn't the ideal way. Um, it's generally not the roadmap, you know, to success. Uh, but you know, somehow I, I don't know how all that works. But I am thankful, so thankful it does because um, she is the perfect woman for the life. I didn't even know I was going to lead when I met her. I wasn't. I was selling cars. I was playing a little jazz fusion band back then with some buddies, and we were awful. <laughs> and. Um, but a few years later, I would end up doing music full time, and uh, and have been doing it ever since in one way, shape, or form. And so I've been gone twenty two to twenty five nights a month the entire almost thirty five years we've been together. We've been married thirty three, um, and not every not every woman is is made for that. And um, there's a bunch of great great women out there that would be like, no, nah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> but my wife, um, not only is, does she put up with it, she thrives in it, and and uh, she's the one that you know, like I just I just spent 27 out of 32 days on the road. You know, I'm the one that's like, babe, uh, man, I'm missing you. Like this is, uh. and she's like, well, you need to figure this out because this is what you do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> She's kind you of know, the manager that you need, right? She is. Uh, anytime I've wanted to quit or thought about it, she's she's like, "No, you're not doing that. You you were made to do this." You know, way back when you started all this, your intentions in Nashville, I think, were initially based more in in you know going there to uh, to write songs as mm -hmm. a, uh, rather than being a solo artist. But yeah. uh, but eventually, you kind of came around to the realization that hey, I'd kind of like to release my own recordings. So you know, when yeah. did this kind of occur to you? Well, um, you're exactly right. It's been it's been quite the journey from going up there just wanting to write songs for other people, hopefully famous people, because that's what makes you money. Um, and then, you know, collecting a bunch of songs over the years that you're like, well, these are real personal to me, or even if they're not exactly personal to me, they're they're things I want to say, things I want to put out into the world, and they're they're songs 
that I'm proud of, whether or not anybody records them, right? And and when I uh, sold the business of that band I was in all those years to just focus on songwriting full-time in 2018, I knew that at some point I was going to have to put out a record with my name on it, with my voice on all the songs. And uh, But I didn't know when I was going to have the time because I was in Nashville two weeks a month and playing shows, not as much as I do now. But And, uh, and then COVID happened, and it shut the world down, and I was at home for four months. And so about three weeks into that, I was like, hmm, I might have time to work on this record I've been thinking about. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I self-produced the first album, um, picked 11 songs um, out of the, you know, 14 years, uh, that I, or well, I guess more than that, 15, 16 years of going back and forth to Nashville and and uh, made a record. And, uh, and then once I put that one out, I figured out that I needed to that that meant I just had to keep putting out records. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you know, you know, and in the meantime, that's it. Around the same time, things started happening in Nashville with other people recording my songs. Um, so it all kind of started happening at once, really. I assume that had to have been a huge relief to finally have your own material out there after working behind the scenes, if you will, for so long. Yeah. It was also weird because when you're writing songs for other people, this whole being an artist thing is just so, I'm over that. Like when I was in my twenties and early thirties, you know, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be a star and, and somewhere in my early thirties, mid thirties, I was completely over that. No <laughs> desire to be famous. And not only that, one of the things that's been a big adjustment making a record and being an artist, I'm putting my little fingers up with quotation marks right now, <laughs> is uh like photo shoots and video shoots and oh, all that stuff is so awkward. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah oh, no, but you know, you have to, you know, it's part of the deal. Yes. So. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting transition, but it's also, uh, it's something that pushes you outside your comfort zone. And I've found that that is always a good thing. Scott Sean White is my guest here on Notably Texan. So your new record, when is that due? It's set to come out January 19th. Uh, there's a total of five singles coming out. Um, I Hope You Never Do is the second one that just came out. And then uh, we have three more. And then we're, you know, in this business, you're supposed to take a break releasing stuff over the holidays. Okay. So the the fifth single will come out like November 17th. And then there will be about a two-month break before the whole album comes out. Does the album have a title yet? It does. It's called Even Better on the Bad Days. How many songs do you uh, estimate that you've written in your lifetime? <laughs> Uh, it's around 900 or something like that, which is a lot less than, uh, a lot of my, uh, cohorts in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, also, you know, I've been doing it kind of part time, uh, the whole time, you know, even when I'm in Nashville, I'm writing every day, uh, one appointment a day, sometimes two, sometimes three, but in Texas, especially since I put out, you know, records now, um, I've discovered there's a reason that record labels have a staff um, because <laughs> when you put out your own records and you're the whole kit and caboodle that's running it all, whoo, man, there's a lot to do. I do write when I'm at home, but, you know, most of the writing is those weeks that I'm in Nashville. That's that's a concentrated, creative four days, you know, uh, every couple of weeks up there. So, And obviously I'm sure it just hits you sometimes where you get ideas for songs that you've got to you know 
make a note of on your phone or whatever. So you don't oh forget. yeah, there's a very long <laughs> list on my phone yeah. <laughs> of ideas, um, and and about one out of a hundred of them are actually good ideas. Well, I mean that's how you get but the that's good how you, ones. That's though, how right? you. Yeah. That's why you write them all down. <laughs> well, uh, Scott, you've had some uh, personal experience to draw from, uh, such as some of your uh, childhood highs and lows, which you uh, really addressed a lot on your uh, debut album. Mm-hmm. Songwriting from the heart, I assume, is something uh, that's important to you, right? Uh, maybe both as a, a healing tool and a way to connect with others? Yeah, um, the healing thing is was kind of accidental uh, and not conscious, you know. I am a, uh, I am a songwriter who personally, I want to write about real life and real things. And um, I think people can hear that no matter who the artist is. Uh, they can hear authenticity. Um, and I know when I share my story, it shows not just in the songs, but in the stories that go before the songs. I have people come up all the time and, and uh, say, hey, you know, I had I had a similar childhood. I had a similar experience. And and that way, those people don't feel so alone. And that's part of the reason I'm, I'm just real transparent. It shows, you know, I do have people come up sometimes, big old boys would be like i mean that was a that was pretty bold some of that stuff you shared <laughs> you know and you can tell they're just uncomfortable with it you know yeah and um but that's that's why i uh share that stuff is um so that people won't feel so alone so that they'll see somebody that survived it or somebody else like them that survived it and uh, that's really the only way i can function is with my name on the art you know, like in Nashville, my job is to walk into a room often with an artist that's on a label or something, and we're trying to write something for them. And I'm just as determined in that room to write their truth and their authentic story and experience as I am when I'm sitting there trying to write something, you know, that I think is for me. And because uh, I think that's what makes music great is is realness you know so yeah and that's, that's what definitely, i try to lean into definitely not something you get in all songs and uh, i think a lot of people really appreciate it, uh, that about what you're doing kind of changing gears here uh, a topic of i th- would dare say a recent import so uh, we've been hearing a lot about uh, ai lately mm. uh, and ai voices and stuff i yeah. personally have been uh, amazed at some of the uh, the ai voice renditions of songs that have been put together by unlikely voices i came across a thing online recently which was uh, hank hill singing johnny cash which is incredible mm-hmm. <laughs> you can just imagine it but i mean mm-hmm. it sounds it absolutely sounds like mike judge did the voice for this even mm-hmm. though he did not uh, highly entertaining, <clears throat> this stuff is, but also kind of mildly disturbing to know that uh, someone's voice can be so easily manipulated like that. I uh, know this is a whole can of worms, but uh, how do you think AI could affect uh, the music world? I would not have chosen mildly disturbing. <laughs> Maybe I <laughs> Maybe wildly uh, disturbing. Yeah, I, that was a typo. Yeah, I think I meant wildly. Is, I mean, you, you can describe it how you want. I'm saying <laughs> that um, it's, you know, that's... Man, that's a can of worms that I don't know that looking back, <laughs> I was about to say 50 years from now, but it may be five years from now. Yeah. Everybody goes, ah, we should have never opened that can of worms. I mean, there are there are writers, um, not any not any of my friends that I know of, but there are writers who who are using AI to like generate some ideas. And like I've seen, you know, I've seen bits and pieces of uh folks going, okay. 
telling AI, I want a song about this with these pictures in it and da 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 in it in, you know, ten seconds or half a second it cranks out this lyric that doesn't totally suck, but it's good enough that it's scary. Yes. Because, you know, people that uh, have a lot of money and, and run these things and want to make more money, well, they're all about, well, if I can have AI do this and not pay them anything, why should I employ this songwriter over here? And that's, I mean, that's wrong on a whole bunch of levels. And it's just going to be bad for music because you don't, you don't have the human element in it. You know, you don't have all the human experiences. No matter what I tell AI uh images to put in a song or the kinds of images they're not going to have all the images stored in my brain from growing up in Kerrville and traveling all over the country and and they're just not going to have it and so ah man no i know you don't have the answers you know i just thought yeah. this was i'm i'm always coming up with no. trying to come up with interesting stuff to talk about mm-hmm. and i thought that this is something that pertains to all of us yeah. but a lot of people don't think about how it hits the the music world, whether it's uh, AI writing lyrics or, like I said, where it can study someone's voice and then have your voice sing a song that you never sung. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't that's, even that's tell. That's scary. I mean, <laughs> that's, I, I mean, on one hand, it's cotton cool and entertaining at the moment, but, you know, um, golly, it can be used for all sorts of good and it can be used so for much all evil. Sorts of evil. <laughs> yeah, so, I get it. you know, that's the fine line. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> As you know, public radio has long served as uh, kind of the main valve for like folk and Americana and independent singer-songwriters to be heard on the airwaves. We're proud to do our part here in Northeast Texas, as we've done for decades. Would you have any comments about uh, your personal connection to listener-supported radio or or why it's important to you? Well, um, first of all, I just want to say thank God for public radio, Um, because it does. Uh, Y'all give uh, independent artists who just won't get played on normal commercial radio stations. Um, you give us a chance to be heard and uh, connect with the listeners out here. Um, it was one thing when I, when I, you know, started making records with my name on them. I, I just pick songs that I love as a writer um, and as a human. I no concern whatsoever for... Uh, commercial radio or let's make them sound like something that could be on whatever um you know first of all my voice isn't isn't your typical country voice it's just my voice um and then my sound and i'm I'm just not that and uh, you you give us uh, a chance to be us um which you know we were talking about this off air before we uh, got on here but i think Everybody's best chance to succeed at whatever they do, but particularly this business, your best chance is to be you, completely you. And uh, that's what stations like y'all do for us. And that's one of the great, you know, of all the crazy things of streaming, that is one of the good things about streaming is that it, it has given a voice and an avenue to non-major label, even major independent label artists to go find their audience. And um, that's a beautiful thing because, you know, there's different flavors for different folks. Absolutely. You know? (laughs) 
Um, you know, while we're on the on the topic, well, do you have any reasons that you think someone should support KETR, for instance? I mean, I know you have your own personal <laughs> reasons because we're playing your music here. Yeah. But I mean, as somebody who works in the the music industry or whatever, why should somebody support their local public radio station? Well, for the exact same reasons um, I just said, um, it's it's important that the uh, quote unquote little people, uh, little people artists uh, and writers and such. Um, have an avenue to get their music out to the world. Um, it's a very, very important, and um, because there's there's going to be people out there that hear these songs, um, not just mine, but all the independent artists that y'all play uh, that need to hear that song that day. They need to hear those words that day. Um, you know, I, I I am after all these years still utterly amazed at the power of a song and uh not all of them have to be all polished up and and beautiful and commercial and a wall of guitars and you know make you want to drink and party you know which <laughs> there's a place for that sure um but uh y'all y'all give the uh like i said the little people a chance to be heard and and the people who need to hear those people. Well, I appreciate your comments on that. And if you want to support what we do, you can go to our site, KETR.org, and click on the Donate button. So you were kind enough uh, to bring a guitar in with you, and I was hoping that you would uh, that it wasn't just a prop for you to lean on. Would you be willing to play, <laughs> <laughs> would you be willing to play something for us today? Uh, tell me about the song that you want to do. Uh, let me go ahead and play a song that's going to be the third single on the new record. And I wrote this with Eric Erdman, the guy that, Introduced me to Radney Foster. Okay. Right? <laughs> and uh, this is the first song Eric and I ever wrote. Uh, Eric is one of those guys that, um, forgive my tuning in the background. Um, Eric is one of those guys that I think really all Nashville writers should have. Um, he's from Mobile, Alabama. He still lives there, but he spends a lot of time in Nashville. And he's one of those guys that if you have an idea that all your Nashville writer friends who, you know, they're trying to write hits for country radio because we're, you know, we're, we'd like to make a little money at this. Right. It'd be cool. Um, but if you have an idea that all your Nashville friends like that are like, yeah, there's no point in writing that. Ain't nobody going to cut that. You know, that's a cool idea, Scott. But yeah, no, it's too far out there. Eric is the guy to take it to because okay. Eric is, is all about that. Eric's like, bring it to me. Let's go. And so that's what I did with this song. Um, uh, it's a song about songwriting. Um, nice. You know, I've heard a lot of people over, well, I've heard a couple people over the years say, um, you know, there's only 12 notes and 26 letters. And the first time I heard that, you know, it's obvious, but I, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, I never thought about that. And it's pretty crazy how all this music comes from just 12 notes and 26 letters and all the different styles and all the different things it has to say and the different ways to say it and um and all the impact it has and it just somebody's always coming up with a new way to use 12 notes and 26 letters it's amazing isn't it it is <laughs> it is so tell me the name of the song again it is called 12 notes and 26 letters okay <laughs> yeah. I could have guessed that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, that's okay. Here's a live performance in our studio by our guest, Scott Sean White, on Notably Texan.
just a pawn shop risky with rusty strings Barely stays in tune, but man, it sings It's just a blank sheet of paper waiting on ink And a line in your head you got from some wake-you-up dream with just 12 notes and 26 letters Depending on how you put them all together You can make somebody dance, make somebody smile Take their mind off a of life for a little while Start a revolution that'll change the world And if you get it right, you can get the girl Turn three minutes into something that'll last forever With just 12 notes and 26 letters When you think about everything Bob Dylan ever said And what Lennon and McCartney did to your heart and your head Ain't it crazy how right now there's some talent show kid About to say it in a way nobody else ever did With just 12 notes and 26 letters Depending on how you put all together to make somebody dance, make somebody smile, take their mind off a of life for a little while. Start a revolution that'll change the world. And if you get it right, you can get the girl. Turn three minutes into something that'll last forever. Which is 12 notes and 26 letters. With just 12 notes and 26 letters Depending on how you put them all together Can make somebody dance, make somebody smile Take their mind off a of life for a little while Start a revolution that'll change the world And if you get it right, you'll get the girl Turn three minutes into something that'll last forever With just 12 notes and 26 letters Twelve notes and twenty-six letters That's Scott Sean White performing live at KETR and I want to spend just a couple more seconds with you here while I have you with me today. Uh, remind us uh, when we can expect your new album and how people can uh, follow your latest online. Yeah, the album will be out everywhere that you get your music uh, January 19th. In the meantime, uh, Pulling Weeds, Hope You Never Do, um, all these singles that are rolling out before the album, they're all on Spotify uh, or rolling out on, on all the you know Spotify and Apple and Again, everywhere you get your music. Uh, Scott Sean White is my website. Uh, S-C-O-T-T-S-E-A-N is Sean. I think my mom had a crush on Sean Connery. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then W-H-I-T-E. So ScottSeanWhite.com. Um, you can, you know, order uh, CDs there, both of the first two CDs uh, that are out, shirts I mean, and all that stuff. It's a necessary evil. I'm assuming you're on social media, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm on all that. Uh, again, Scott Sean White uh, on Instagram, Facebook. I'm... I'm on TikTok a little bit, but yeah, I understand. Uh, <laughs> a lot of artists come in and tell me this, and I'm like, "Well, we wouldn't be able to see it here because we're a state institution, and they have 
they have outlawed TikTok on good uh, on states that's amazing computers. So I wouldn't be able to check your stuff there anyway. But you know how many <laughs> artists are have said to me. Man, if TikTok got banned here, it would be the best thing that's happened to me in years, you know, because it takes so much time to yeah, I, create that content. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, uh, I want to express my appreciation for your time and your insights uh, and your company today, Scott Sean White. It's really been a pleasure getting to know you, man. I appreciate you. I, I thank you for having me. It's been good to get to know you and, and your station. I love it. You're so close by. Uh, hopefully, you'll uh, come back and talk with us again soon. Anytime. His website is scottshawnwhite.com. That Sean is spelled S-E-A-N. And it's been our pleasure to have him as a guest today and let you learn more about him. You can find more about us online at ketr.org. And my name's Matt Menke. I really appreciate you listening. Mm-hmm.